Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. fans they have waited four decades for a championship they've been denied four trophies by Saban got a lot to go and prove make a move make a move Bennett launching touchdown Georgia and intercepted all the way to the end zone and Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide our guys have accomplished something special and as they say they've become legendary And indeed they did. 40 years in the making, not since 1980 have the Georgia Bulldogs been national championships. But today that's exactly what they are, as you see the headline in today's Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The team has since touched down to a hero's welcome in Athens, as you might imagine, and today they celebrate. I'm Wendy Nix with Tom Lucanville and Sam Acho. Happy to have you with us. And before we dive in, let's take a look. We were waiting for this rematch since the SEC championship game, and for once it was one that did not disappoint. Here we go. Georgia won its first national title since 1980, snapping a 41-year drought after coming so close just a few years ago. The Bulldogs turned it on in the fourth quarter to run away with the win. They also got the monkey off their back when it comes to Alabama. The Tide had won seven straight against Georgia, a streak that dated back almost 15 years and included three SEC title games. And it's Kirby Smart finally getting the W against Nick Saban after losing the first four matchups with his former coaching partner. He also handed Saban his second biggest loss since he joined Alabama. Those two teams last night were Titans clashing, going at it. I mean, the physical nature of that game in the fourth quarter, so proud of our team because there were people that doubted our conditioning level. They doubted that we could finish in the fourth quarter, you know, and the, the Alabama games in the past didn't help with that. And they, they, they did that. They overcame that. They, they really were more physical and dominant in the fourth quarter, and that was the difference in the game and uh, probably what made me the most proud of the group. It was absolutely the difference in the game. And keep in mind, people did doubt it. And that's because, Luke's three out of the four losses to Alabama, you know, Georgia had double-digit leads. So we had grown yeah. accustomed to this thing falling apart late. That was absolutely not the case Monday night in Indianapolis. But what was the turning point in this game? Well, for me, it was as the third quarter was dwindling down, there was a 17-play Alabama drive that took almost eight minutes off the clock. And on third and 11 the dropped touchdown pass to Hall from Bryce Young then results in a field goal attempt, and that's when Jalen Carter for Georgia gets that big old paw up there, blocks that field goal. So you take almost eight minutes off the clock, no points. The very next play, James Cook for Georgia, 67 yards. That drive results in a touchdown, and that turned the tide, if you will, for the Georgia Bulldogs to head into the fourth quarter with momentum. 
Luke, I love I love the play on words, turn the tide, because that's exactly what happened. In that third quarter, even before the 67-yard run by James Cook, you saw the Georgia offensive line behind Zamir White make plays. They started leaning on Alabama's front seven. And all of a sudden, the same Georgia team that we had seen all season long, the team that we missed in the SEC championship game, started to show up. Not in the first quarter, not in the second quarter, late in the third quarter quarter and into the fourth and so that play that series along with the missed pass by Bryce Young in the red zone Bryce Young had a receiver wide open on a seven route in the red zone he missed it you could see him on the ground in agony right here late in the game he had his guy Georgia brought pressure missed the pass he's on the ground banging frustrated he knows he missed an opportunity those two points combined are what turned the tide in this game for the Georgia, not Bulldogs, they were underdogs. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, the one thing about this that I see as a common denominator or that we've seen in the college football playoff era is the trench play of these two teams. I mean, yeah, to get a permission slip from your mother to play in this game last night. I mean, this, this was so physical. And it was so taxing. And it was really a battle of attrition. This is where the depth starts to come into play. And when it was fairly equitable across the board, it became a last man standing type of scenario. And I think at the end of the day, Kirby Smart, Todd Monken come out of the locker room and they said, offensive line, we're going to win this game on your shoulders. We're going to have to run the football. Couldn't do it effectively in the first half. Alabama didn't attempt to run the football. Georgia decided they were going to put the game in the hands of their offensive line. And really, both sides of the ball in the trenches were so impressive for both of these teams. Georgia just happened to outlast Alabama. Listen, impressive and hard-hitting. I realized last night watching, I had pillows at one point, sort of bracing because <laughs> they were hitting so hard. It was almost like I, I, was, I was worried for myself. I uh, it, it was crazy, and it was, it was impressive. There's no question. Uh, you also can't talk about this game and this Georgia win without talking about Stetson Bennett. I mean, what a story for this quarterback. But what a night. He had two completions on passes of 40-plus yards downfield. Alabama, by the way, had allowed just two of those all season long, 85% of his passes went inside the pocket. But what was perhaps most notable, a perfect four for four for 83 yards in the fourth quarter when it was most important. Really a remarkable story for Bennett. He started out as a walk-on, and in fact, he's just the second walk-on to beat a Nick Saban coach team. The other, by the way, our own Brian Greasy, who did it with Michigan back in 1997 when Saban was with the Spartans. Here's the quarterback. So many times they tried to recruit over you. You thought about leaving, but you yep. stuck around. Yep. Why? Because I love this place. I love this team. I believe in myself. I think I'm the best quarterback. And, you know, I just love everything about this place. And I want to win a national championship here. I knew that once I fumbled the ball, I was not going to be the reason we lost this game. It's the thing that Coach Smart and the whole team has been preaching the whole year. Resiliency, toughness, composure, you know, connection. I knew that those guys beside me had my back, and I had their back, too. If someone had told you five years ago that Stetson Bennett would lead you to a national championship on offense, what would you have thought? I would have thought, hell yeah, we won a national championship. I mean, I'd have been uh, pumped. Uh, five years ago, he was uh, delivering passes like Baker Mayfield uh, against the scout team. And, you know, we all <laughs> – there's a lot of guys that saw him on that scout team make plays with his feet, uh, his arm whip. 
in decision-making, and we were very impressed. What a story. What a story is right, Sam. But out of all the comments I heard last night, I got to tell you, the one that stuck with me was what Stetson Bennett said about the fumble. I, I refuse to let that fumble be the reason we lost this game. And, you know, he, he was three for three after that. It was almost like he just willed this thing. Uh, but just a number of things he did last night that were impressive. Well, even more than that, Wendy, it was what he said before that statement. He said something that really brought me chills, and any underdog in any story should get chills as well. He said, I believed I was the best quarterback. Better yet, I believe I am the best quarterback. This dude was a walk-on, only had three offers coming out of high school. He walked on, he left, he went to a D2 school, he played, he came back, earned a scholarship. He still was the third on the depth chart going into this season. Everyone doubted him. Fans doubted him. Certain uh, other teams doubted him. Twitter doubted him. Yet he believed through in and throughout. And so for me, what, I, what stands out most about Stetson Bennett's performance isn't just what we saw today. It's the improvement that he had from year one to even last year when he played to all season long. The mailman, as they call him, delivered. You know, Sam, it's interesting, too, because the reason why everybody doubted him is if you go back to the first five or six weeks of the season a year ago, Georgia was inept on offense. There wasn't many reasons to have confidence in him being their leader. And to get to the point that we got to last night, to see that performance, and I think the thing that stood out to me more so than anything else was the mental fortitude that he showed from the very first play of the game. You get sacked. It's second and 24. That's how you start out the game, right? Now you're constantly behind the chains on third down in the first half. You're heavily penalized. You have horrible field position. All he does is focus on the next play. And if he got popped, if he got hit, if he felt pressure, he kept his eyes downfield, stayed within himself, stayed within the offense, and didn't deviate from the plan. Made wise decisions when he got out of the pocket by not forcing the ball, which he did in the title uh, championship game. And you know what? At the end of the day, Bryce Young threw two interceptions. Stetson Bennett didn't throw any. And at the end of the fourth quarter, Kirby Smart put the ball in his hands to throw it to win it. Yeah, you know what, Tom? We said this going into this game. He didn't try to be a hero till he absolutely had to be. He right. just sort of went play by play, moved the chains. In the end, when he had to make the big throws, he did. But he didn't try too hard early on, especially when that first series. I know I'm not alone. You guys were the same, I'm sure. Like, here we go again. You know what? Right. Alabama's got their number. <laughs> he, he could have thought that as well, and he chose not to. Pretty, pretty impressive. Meanwhile, it's not as if Alabama didn't show up. This was a great game, and Nick Saban was looking for a record eighth national championship. Just wasn't the night for the Tide. We'll talk a little bit about what Alabama did and didn't do in this game. Coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The people of Georgia have always proudly worn their 1980 national championship shirts. How about them dogs? Yeah! And dug out the VHS tapes 
Herschel Walker and the Junkyard Dogs winning it all. The game is over. Georgia has won. But reliving those days has also increasingly brought pain. The red on those shirts has faded. The film of those games looks grainy. Hey, 41 years is a long time. For a generation of UGA fans, there has always been an insurmountable obstacle that has kept their team from winning it all. And more often than not, that impediment has come in the form of a Crimson Tide. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama is back as the champion of college football. This season's Georgia team opened with a fist fight against another old rival, a gritty 10-3 win over Clemson. But that game dinged starting QB JT Daniels. And by the end of September, the offense was being steered by Stetson Bennett IV, he of the country club name and the lifelong dream of leading his favorite football team to a number one ranking. On the other side of the ball, a group of new age junkyard dogs led by QB eater Jordan Davis, was described as a generational defense until it was shredded by, of course, Alabama. But in the playoff, that D returned to midseason four. Can't settle for a win, I gotta blow them out. Holding Michigan to 11 points, giving their offense room to work with in the Alabama rematch. So we're bringing all the dog nation with us. On Monday night, finally, those faded championship dreams got a red and black reset. Kirby Smart, once a player on those close but no trophy Georgia teams of the late 90s, has accomplished exactly what he came home to do. He has brought his people what they had so long been deprived and did it against the team that had always blocked the doorway. Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone and the drought is over. Glory, glory, indeed. Indeed, and our thank you to Ryan McGee. Winning a title at Georgia has to feel twice as good for Bulldog alum Kirby Smart. He becomes just the fourth coach to win a national title at their alma mater in the last 60 seasons. The others, well, Phil Fulmer, Steve Spurrier, and of course, Bear Bryant, some pretty good company. Nick Saban was looking for back-to-back -back titles and an eighth national title. His team fell short, but the Alabama head coach very clear last night. There was still plenty to be proud of from his players. I'd like to say something. Can I say something? Absolutely. You know, these two guys that are sitting up here, they're not defined by one game. These guys played great for us all year. They're great competitors. They were great leaders on this team, uh, and they that they contributed tremendously to the success of this team and we would not be here without them all right and both of them take responsibility for the loss um, but both of them contributed in a lot of ways in a positive way to giving us a chance to win and a chance to be here to have an opportunity to win so I just want to thank them for that and let everybody know how proud I am of these two guys thank you coach Well, for, I mean, first of all, I get chills. I, I absolutely love that Nick Saban did that, just a quality move. You know, he said, can I say something? That wasn't the answer to a question. The other thing, Lugs, is sometimes I think we want to say, hey, what did they do wrong? What did they fail to do? you got to tip your hat to what Georgia did. Having said that, uh, where did Alabama fall short in this game last night? Well, uh, number one, it stood out to me early on that if they weren't going to be able to run the ball, 
then they were going to have a problem with time of possession and keeping Georgia on the sideline. And not only could they not run it, they really didn't attempt to run it. That's number one. Number two, their inability to capitalize on opportunities once they were in the red zone. If you go back to the Cameron Latou catch to the tight end that went down to the eight-yard line, the very next play, he drops a touchdown pass. The play after that, Bryce Young gets sacked. They settle for a field goal. This was the reoccurring theme uh, throughout the course of the night. And, you know, Bryce Young on this particular day, while he was flawless in the SEC championship game, he made more errors than Stetson Bennett. But it just started with the inability to capitalize in the red zone on offense and the inability to run the football, in my opinion. And for me, Lugs, in addition to that, it was the third quarter. It was the line of scrimmage. It was the running attack that was able to be opened up by Georgia. Alabama in the first game, the SEC championship game, they weren't allowing Georgia to run the ball. They also got a lead, so Georgia wasn't attempting to run it. But in this game, not the first half, the second half, as we mentioned before, Georgia said, we are going to run the rock. It was a close game, 13-12. to 12. It was 9-6 to 6 going in a half, and Georgia still said, we're going to stay Stick to our guns, stick to our game plan, and do what got us here all season long. That game we watched, that was a Georgia we saw all season long. Run the rock, play good defense, get a lead, find a lead, keep it close, and then let Stetson Bennett do his thing. That's what Georgia was able to do. Alabama stopped all of that in the SEC championship game, but the 37-day uh, in between, Georgia said we're going to find a way to get it done, whether it's conditioning, whether it's having a different mentality, whether it's taking all that bottled up uh, uh, emotion and energy and, 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 and the doubt that people had and taking it and unleashing it on Alabama, that's what, what, that's what was the difference in this game. Sam, you're absolutely right. Keep in mind, this was exactly what we'd seen from Georgia, right? This should come as no surprise except that the one misstep they had was against Alabama in that SEC championship game, especially for that defense. It's the only time we saw, we saw them trip up. But uh, listen, I, you know what? team is going to make excuses, certainly not Alabama, Luke's, but, you know, would this outcome have been different had they not lost Jameis Williams? Uh, potentially, you know, I, I listen, they handled the slot part of it without having John Matchy well. Slade Bolden was very productive. He was able to get open. Bryce Young was able to connect with him. But I think it wasn't just the loss of Jameson Williams. It was the loss of Jameson Williams and the combination of the pressure packages that Georgia was able to apply, and at times you had three true freshman wide receivers on the field potentially at the same time. You had Hall, you had Ja'Cory Brooks, you had JoJo Earl. So when you're so in tune with a Jamison Williams or a John Mechie and you know that you can anticipate a throw and you, you can throw it right, in, you know, foot in front of the numbers on the slant route and the guy's going to put his foot in the ground at four yards, well, what if the inexperienced receiver's a yard short? or two yards deep, or doesn't snap his head around. And the quarterback's already under duress. I just think the loss of Jamison Williams took the pressure off of the Georgia defense to constantly say, where is he? Where, where is Jamison? Where is he? And if they didn't have to do that, now they could really hone in on some other areas while the youthful Alabama receivers maybe weren't as far along as they needed to be. And, Lugs, allow me to just reset a little bit, not for you, but for the people at home, the people who are all watching the game, like all of us. 
If Nick Saban would have found a way to win that game without his two top receivers, without his two top defensive backs, if Nick Saban would have found a way to win an eighth national championship, we would have been saying that this is Nick Saban's greatest work, one of his best masterpieces. But let's not forget, this is who Nick Saban is. This is what Nick Saban does. 2017 national championship game. We saw that Tua came in and found a way to win. And then in 2018, Tua gets hurt. Jalen Hurts goes in and a backup comes in and wins the game. Nick Saban does this. This is why he has seven rings. And so I would not have been surprised if Nick Saban found a way to win without Jameson Williams and John Metchie. You mentioned it. Cameron Latu stepped up big. Slade Bolden shined as well. We would have been saying, man, this is what makes Nick Saban great. But now that Alabama lost, there's a little bit of stir as well. Like, let's make an excuse for Nick Saban. Let's say that it's because of injuries. Nick Saban is not making excuses for himself and his team, and neither should we. I agree, Sam. He's about the last person that would do that. Good to see Jamison Williams, by the way, on the sideline. Still obviously yeah. injured, but at least able to put weight on that leg because it, it certainly did not look good when it happened. Well, guys, Sam, get ready. It's been a year in the making, an entire season. We've been talking to Sam about the plays and moments that made him go, Acho Mind, a year-end edition is up next. We've got a jam-packed January calendar. How about this for sports? The Spanish Super Cup final, that's on Sunday. And finally, the start of the Australian Open and the first-ever Monday night wildcard playoff game. Uh, and UFC 270 is Saturday. Plenty to pick from on ESPN, ABC, ESPN Deportes, and, of course, ESPN+. Plus. Plenty, to pick, plenty to pick from, I should say, if you're Sam Acho and you're picking the year in review when it comes to what made you go Acho Mind. Yes, I am. And for those who don't know, those who are just joining us in 2022, these are the craziest plays of all season long. Number one, Caleb Williams, fourth quarter, fourth and one. His team is up by five points against Kansas. They were supposed to lose. Kansas was winning the entire game. He takes the ball from his running back and gets a first down. This was the most ridiculous play of the season. Oh, by the way, Oklahoma had one at the beginning with a one-handed pick by, by my dude, DJ. Number two, Video game numbers. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 15 catches, 347 yards. Did I say video game numbers? I'll say it again. Video game numbers. Go pull out your PlayStation or your Nintendo 64. You can't even put up crazy numbers like that. And the craziest thing of all college football had to be the cat. The cat was hanging from the Raptors. No one knew what was going to happen. We all feared for the cat's live. And it survived. This cat did not have nine lives. It only had one. It was survived. It was held up like Simba from Lion King. Aussie Benya, the craziest moment of the year. Those are the <laughs> things that made me go, Acho mind. That cat thing still stresses me out. Guys, listen, we, we got to go, but I'm going to leave you with one thought, okay, everybody out there? Think for just a minute what it must be like to be Stetson Bennett tonight walking around Athens. First of all, he can't walk around Athens. Can you imagine? It's a good day. We'll see you tomorrow.